All right. Go ahead and pull out your message guide notes. Uh, those are going to kind of help you track along with us this morning, along with the Green Rock Church pen right there. Um, today, we are wrapping up our four-part series called Small Things, Big Difference. And for the last time to end this uh, series well, would you, can we repeat that phrase all together just for one last time? Everyone say small things. Everyone say big difference. Small things and big difference. We've been discussing over the last four weeks about staying faithful in the small things. Uh, and we believe if you're faithful with the small things, it'll actually make a big difference in your life. And so the main point, uh, if there's a phrase that you can just remember through the last four weeks together, or if this is the first time with us this morning, if you can remember this one phrase, uh, you'll get kind of the, the bulk of this message series. And it's this. It's the first blank in your notes. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Everyone wants the big things in life, don't we? Right? We want the big things in life. We want the big results. And we see so those people who have the big results that we want, and we kind of tend to think, what are the big steps to achieve that type of success? How can I do in steps one, two, and three to get like they, like they are, or so-and-so, or how he is or how she is? How can I achieve that? And I would dare to say it's not the big steps that are taken. It's actually being faithful with the small things. It's faithful with the small things. Everyone wants the big results. And the truth is, in many areas of our life, even more in our spiritual walk with Jesus, the big results we see with other people and in life is not done with big steps. It's not done with big steps. Again, it's done through the small things. And so to start the new year right, everyone seems to be trying to get their life back on track and making goals. And for us here at The Rock Church, uh, we're called to shift our perspective and to focus on our church health. And that was kind of our word for The Rock Church. And, and so as a pastor, or just as a natural human being, I was trying to think of what are the big steps that our church can take for this new year, the new year of 2019, or this new word that we believe God has given us to kind of filter our decisions for 2019. What are the big things that we can do? And I started looking at some successful uh, pastors and churches and all these different areas, and the Lord spoke very clearly. He says, it's not done in big steps. It's not done in big steps. It's only done through the small things. And so week one, just to quickly recap this morning, we talked about asking God to give us one word for the new year, one word that you can focus and help navigate through the year 2019. Mine and for the churches again was shift. And I'm glad that you guys are kind of taking on these challenges because at the end of the sermon, uh, we kind of give out challenges. And I've seen a lot of you guys posting on social media, your one word, uh, and that's awesome. So keep doing that. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, you know, I don't have one word, Keep praying. Keep asking. God has a word for you. So that's what we did week one. Week two, we talked about our thoughts. We talked about the enemy likes to mess with our head and put thoughts that are not really of God. And we had to challenge uh, ourselves with taking those thoughts that aren't obedient to Christ, make them obedient to Christ, make them captive, and then challenge us one more time the one thought that we can have through the new year. Last week, we talked about our words, that we believe that what you speak, you eventually become. Our words have impact. Our words have the power of life and death. Our words uh, are bigger than actually what we think. And so to change the, our life, we got to change the way we talk. Again, being faithful with the small things. And so, um, and the quick points of those of like, if you can't say nothing helpful, skip it. And if you have something good to say to someone, don't just think it, speak it. 
And so just very, very practical. And if you've missed out on these messages, you can go to therocknp.com, catch up on there. Um, but today we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to talk about, I think, the thing that a lot of us don't like talking about, and it's this area of habits. Talking about our habits. Uh, we believe, if you kind of uh, think of the flow of the natural human, uh, what we think will turn into words. What we say eventually turns into actions. Your actions develop your character, and your character will point you into the direction that you'll be going. And we believe that, and I believe that, and so we believe that even though it's just these small things, if you are good with these small things, the bigger picture will be okay. If you're faithful with the small things, the bigger picture will be okay. And so we're going to talk about our habits, and just for a simple definition of a habit, uh, this is in your notes, this is what we're going to work with. A habit is what we repeatedly do. A habit is what we repeatedly do. Just for instance, a smoking habit is someone that repeatedly what? Smokes. A cussing habit is someone who repeatedly cusses. A generosity habit is someone who's repeatedly generous. Works both ways. Habits can be good and bad. Uh, a prayer habit is someone who repeatedly prayers, prays. And so a habit is what we repeatedly do because we are what we do. We are what we repeatedly do. Because our actions define our character. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about habits. Uh, and I'm not going to be talking about what are good habits, what are bad habits. In fact, I'm going to be talking about an area of a habit of being positive or negative on our habits. And this idea of discipline. Write that word down. Discipline. That's what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of this morning. Discipline is a word that we don't like, right? Another word we don't like. Just add that to the words that we don't like. Pastor Vaughn doesn't even like that word. Discipline. We don't like discipline, mainly because we don't like the things of people just telling us, you can do this and you can't do that. Or you should be doing this and not doing this other thing. Discipline, we don't like that word, but discipline is something that we need whether we know it or not. We need discipline whether we know it or not. And here's the other thing. All of us, we're actually already disciplined. We're already disciplined. And so while we may not like the area of discipline, we're actually already disciplined. And as most of you know, like I was talking about last couple of weeks about losing weight. I've been trying to lose weight just, you know, ever since I wanted to start losing weight. It's been years. And so what would happen is, is I would go and do the start of the new year. I try to go lose weight and end up like yo-yo dieting, which is never healthy. And the one thing that people I ask about getting healthy is that they say you need to be more disciplined and you're eating or exercise. You need to be more disciplined in your eating habits or exercise, or rather, I need to change my current discipline to a better one. You see, when I hear the discipline of eating exercise, I was disciplined in those areas. I was. I wasn't disciplined to eat healthy, but I was disciplined to eat fast food. Right? I wasn't disciplined going to the gym three, four times a week, but I was disciplined using that time on sitting on the couch, vegging and binging on Netflix. And see, here's the thing about discipline, church. We may not be disciplined in the right things, but maybe because we're disciplined in the wrong things. You see, we are creatures of discipline. We have a routine. We have what we usually do. And more times than not, when we see the big results, it's the lack of being disciplined in the right things with the small things. 
Does that make sense? It's the lack of being disciplined in the right things in the wrong things. Just like many of us today, we are disciplined, but just not in the right things. But here's the thing of discipline. Discipline is the changing factor that will either encourage your habit or kill your habit. That's the changing factor. Let me give you a quick definition, and we're going to move to some scripture here. Here's a good definition of discipline. Discipline is choosing what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing what you want now and what you want most. Because really, all of us are successful in some areas of our life. We all have success. Say you're great at your job. More than likely, you're disciplined in a certain area. If you're great at your marriage, you're disciplined in a certain area of marriage. If your parenting's on point, it's because you're disciplined in a certain area of your parenting. There are consistent disciplines in those areas that you are successful at. But the opposite is true, too. Those areas that you're unsuccessful at, you're still disciplined. Just not in the right things. And the discipline is the changing factor of encouraging your habit or killing your habit. And what happens is that we all know what we want most. Law of us set goals this year. We all want to know what we want most. But we have these things that cause us to be inconsistent, that derails us from what we want most. Take getting in shape again. A lot of us, we, January 1st, we're like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. So we start great on Monday, right? We go work out. Tuesday, we wake up, we go work out. Wednesday, I'm a little sore. I need a break day. So we take that break, right? Thursday morning rolls around, it's a little cold. So I'm going to stay at home. Friday rolls around, my kids woke me up super early. I'll work out in the afternoon. Never happens, right? It's the inconsistencies that breaks up the good disciplines that we need. The inconsistencies that break up the good disciplines that we need. And it, if it feels like I'm harping on you, I'm not because I'm preaching to myself this morning as well. But all of us, we're inconsistent. Or we struggle with inconsistencies. In fact, the question that I want to ask you guys today is, is why am I so inconsistent? Why are you so inconsistent? What are those inconsistencies in your life? And Paul talks about this very, very clearly. In fact, if you guys want to open your Bibles, Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 15, that's going to be up for a little bit. And if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it's in your message guide. But uh, Paul answers this questions in Romans. I want to read this to you. It's going to answer the questions as to why we are so inconsistent. This is what Paul says. I love this. He says this, starting at verse 15, follow along. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Can anyone here relate to that this morning? Right? The things that we know we're supposed to do, we don't do them. But the very thing I hate doing, I end up doing it anyways. It sounds a little bit psychotic, doesn't it? Like you don't have your act together. You don't have your discipline together. You're, you're super inconsistent. But one of the heroes of faith, Paul even says, I struggle with that too. I struggle with that too. And to top it off, he goes even further. Verses 18, jump down just a little bit. He says this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Little dramatic, Paul, but true. I know nothing that, that's good, it dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. We have good intentions, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Anyone just a little confused on his wording yet? 
He's saying, I'm a backwards mess. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. The things that are good, and I know my actions to go in that direction, my actions actually go into a different direction. And it's because of my flesh. It's because of my flesh. Verse 20, it says, Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer who I do it, but the sin dwells within me. The answer to our question, why are we so consistent, is found in verse 20. Why are we so inconsistent with these things, especially the good things that God has for us? It's because of this very simple fact. When we step into relationship with Jesus Christ, it says the old is gone and the new has come. But the issue is this. While we're a new creation, we're still in this world that has fallen. So it means this. When you have a relationship with Jesus, there's two sides that are battling within you. You have your flesh, which is before God, and you have the spirit, which is when you're with God. But you're battling with both of them. And more times than not, the things that you know you're supposed to do, the spirit that leads you, your flesh kicks up, says, no, 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 no. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we're so easily tempted with our flesh that we think, okay, I'll do that. And that's why Paul says, the thing that I'm supposed to do, I, I don't do it, but the things that, that, that I do not want to do, I end up doing it. And I feel like, like I'm just kind of backwards and I don't know how to do this. And so Paul, he kind of brings us into an ultimate kind of crescendo in verse 24. And he says this super dramatically. He says, then because of all of that, wretched man that I am, I'm a messed up person. I'm a complete mess. I have nothing figured out. I'm wretched. And then he answers this plea for help. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to rescue me from this mess? And then verse 25 answers the entire thing. He says, thanks be to God through who? Jesus. Some of your guys' translations even say this morning, the answer is Jesus. And so he answers all that. He says, do you know what? I'm a messed up person. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. The things I'm supposed to do, I don't do them. Like, who is going to help me through this inconsistent mess all the time that I find myself in? And he says, the answer is this. Jesus. How many of you guys know this morning, a lot of the issues in your life, it's the simple answer of Jesus. It's not a self-help book. It's not, you need, you know, counseling. Counseling's great. I've been in it. But I'm saying, at the end of the day, when it all comes together, we're trying to put a period at the end of the sentence, it's Jesus. We need Jesus. Who's going to help me get better at this? Who's going to help me be more disciplined? It's Jesus and only Jesus. Because here's the key. Here's the key. When we talk about discipline, we think of self-discipline, don't we? Self-discipline. But that's not it. It's not through self-discipline that we can get consistency in our life. It's actually spiritual discipline. It's spiritual discipline. It's about spirit, where, where you are relying on God's power rather than your own. And that is the difference. But self-discipline, you're saying, I've got this. I've got this whole thing. I know what to do. But spirit discipline says, you know what, God? I don't have this just like Paul doesn't have it. 
I'm going to start relying on you. Which is better, Christians, because guess what? Whose power is better? The one that we're born into and we're in this, in this flesh, that type of power? Or is it God's power? It's God's power. Why? Because when you read Scripture, look at what the Holy Spirit does. The very, it says in Scripture, the very same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that same power is within you when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. Whose power are you going to rely on? My power that fails and I'm inconsistent or God's power that made the lame walk, the deaf to hear, the dead to rise again? It's kind of a no-brainer. But we have to make that choice. We have to make that choice. Over the next few moments, I want to show you exactly how to do that because here's the thing about spirit discipline. Spiritual discipline will help you train yourself to choose what matters most instead of choosing what you want now. It's going to help you do that. And I know it, it, it's going to change your perspective this morning because it has for me. Because when you're relying on God's spirit, you're going to see that, oh, yeah, I can do it. Self-discipline is, oh, I messed up Monday, I'll try again Tuesday. I messed up again, I'll try again Wednesday. It's going to help you gain traction. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's this letter from Paul to the church of Corinth, and he uses this analogy of running a race to win what matters most. And this is idea of a race that's important because during this time, sports was the epicenter of the church of Corinth for everything, especially for the sport of running. I hate the sport of running, if you can't tell. Uh, but the sport of running in itself, the, the training and discipline is, is actually kind of interesting. You see, it was the most prized and the most trained for sport. And what they would do in that area is that they would choose a runner, someone who's already decent at running, then they would ship them off to a 10-month rigorous training event. You know, we have in Colorado the Olympic Training Center over there. Take that, put it on steroids, and that's what the Church of Corinth was doing. Like, they were so intense. So, so they'd send their runner, and they'd go for 10 months of training camp and go through rigorous training, and they would have to run in all sorts of climates. And so one day they'd run, like, near the Dead Sea. The next day they would run way up in the high in the mountains so that their runner could be conditioned to running in all sorts of climates. And then on top of that, they can only eat food that would benefit them, so no sweets, no alcohol, no the things that will slow them down. And their whole goal was to train for this big race to receive the one prize. And Paul takes note of this, and this is what he says. A lot of us, we know this scripture, but I hope this puts context into how we read it. Verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? All the runners run. But only one receives the prize. There wasn't no second place in this race. There wasn't no third place. There wasn't no fourth place. There wasn't no participant trophies or purple ribbons for everyone. There was one prize and one prize only. This is how they raced. And so Paul took notice and says, they all run to receive this one prize. So run that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, but they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable prize. And here's the thing, church, that we need to take away from this. Paul talks about these runners in the race. They're trained and they're disciplined. 
And when they run, they don't just run to place. I want us to catch this. These runners, they don't run to place. They run to win. They had one goal and one goal only. First prize. And Paul makes this correlation. Just like athletes, we run a spiritual race in this world. And while athletes, they run for a wreath made out of leaves that will rot in a couple days. We Christians, we run for an eternal prize that's imperishable. Meaning this church, if you want to be spirit disciplined, you're going to have to run this race like you want to win it. And I know that is so hard to think. In fact, I, I was writing this message to be a little transparent with you. I was writing this and I had sent to my wife and I'm like, am, am I coming off a little too harsh and, or is this, is this the, where it goes? And if this is what scripture says, this, this is what, what it means. And so I, I want us to be very clear on this. We run this race with Jesus Christ to win it. Not to hopefully just to get second or third or fourth. We run to win. And it's this huge correlation that Paul says, look at what they're doing. Why don't we do that in our relationship? As soon as you step in relationship with Jesus Christ, that when the starter pistol goes off, you run like you want to win it. Christians, we need to get this. We run this Paul, we run this race that Paul talks about. We run to win, not just to place. We run to not hopefully get the bronze or hopefully get the silver. We run to get the gold. And that is what Paul is saying. When it comes to go after the calling of God on your life, run to win. Run to win. Don't settle for third or second. Run to win it. And I know we live in a culture, and this is why I was actually very nervous on preaching this message. We live in a culture where competing to win is very frowned on. Seriously. It's frowned on. We have, we have games that don't keep score and everyone gets a trophy and everyone gets a ribbon and I'm, I'm not dogging on those things. Enter your kids on those things. It teaches them good lessons, but that doesn't work with Jesus. It does not work that way because when you run this race, you have to run it like you want to win it. You don't jog it. When the starter pistol goes off, it says, huh, no, 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 just kind of run, squirrel, kind of looking around. No, you are focused. Your eyes are on towards the goal. And you run like your life counts on it. Because it does. And it's a hard pill to swallow. These runners were serious. Just kind of give you a little more context. I mean, they would train their body for 10 months. Again, eat food that would only energize. They would weight train and go as far as that. They would, they, they would run this way. They would strip down all their clothes and run the race butt naked. Do you know why? Because they thought their clothes was a hindrance to them. It would slow them down. And I love this because I did not know this. That's why in Hebrews 12.1, it says, the author says, let us strip off any hindrance and sin and run with endurance that race that is set before us. Let me kind of sum it up. Paul's saying, look at how much these runners train. Look how disciplined they are. Look at the, the extremes that they go to to be the best at what they can be to receive that first prize. Look at that commitment. Let's take that and put that with our relationship with Jesus. Because too many times we treat Jesus 
just like an acquaintance. And we leave him there on the back burner and say, Jesus, I'll get to you when I get to you. That's not how it works. You have to run to win. Let's do that with our run with Jesus Christ. So many times, again, we hear the starting pistol go off. And instead of kicking off the starting blocks while everyone is running for the prize, we're just taking our time. And then a person passes us and we say, oh, it's okay, I can still get second. Another person passes us, it's okay, I can get third. Another person passes for us, well, at least I can just finish the race. That that doesn't work. Because if you're not first in this race, you're disqualified. We have to be serious about our Jesus. Now, let me say this. If you're sitting here and you're worrying, like, am I serious enough? You're good. Don't worry. But if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I'm, it doesn't matter, that's not how it, you want to read Scripture. Because Jesus is an all-or-nothing God. Even 99% is still considered lukewarm in Scripture. And we have to face that reality. It's either all in or nothing. Take the rich young ruler for an example. He came up to him and said, Jesus, I want to be part of your team. I want to be part of your thing. And he says, no, no, no. You, know, you have something hindering you from running after me. You need to go sell your possessions and then you can come. What happened? Rich young ruler walked away sad. Couldn't do it. Even in scripture, it talked about, it's saying, Lord, we did all these things in your name. Like, like, and Jesus still says, I don't know you because you missed the prize. You missed it. And Paul, he makes the same point against in 1 Corinthians 26 through 27. He says, there, I don't run aimlessly. I don't run without a goal. And he says, I do not box as one beating the air. Have you guys tried to fight air? Like, you will tire yourself out. Why? Because there's no point to it. There's no point. There's, there's no goal. It, it, it's like beating the air. It, it, it's pointless. But, verse 27, I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I think what needs to happen, church, and I think but what he's saying We have to be serious about relationship with Jesus Christ. More now than ever. And to do that, you run this race to win the prize. It's not done in the big things. Because we see the runners and we think, what's the big things? He says, no, it's done through the small things. You want to be the best in relationship with Jesus Christ? Be the best at small things. Because here's the thing, I love this. Here's the thing. To be the best, to win the prize, it's not hard. We make it hard because we think we need to do steps one, two, and three. It's not. What do we do? Well, one, it says, profess that Jesus Christ in your heart. And then what? Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Read his word. Go tell the gospel. Fulfill the great commission. Do those things. It's not hard. It's actually very easy to run this race. But before you even line up to the race, 
you have to determine for yourself, what is it that you want most? What is it that you want most? Because that's where you'll be running to. What is it that you want most? Last couple of weeks, we talked about different types of audits, uh, but this message, we have to know what we want, and I want you to write down. You'll see there, we have it on the screen right there, but on your notes, it says, what do you want most? There's a couple blank lines, and I just want you to kind of think about that. What is it that you want most in this year? What is it? I want you to write it down, and then run after that. Run after it, like a full sprint, just like these runners that Paul was talking about. Run after that. What is it that you want most? But here's the second thing. What's the discipline you need? Because you can have what you want most, but you're not going to get there without discipline. Spiritual discipline. And that's why it's this one. What do you need to do now to have what you want most? What do you need to do now to have what you want most? And here's the thing, church. Right now, the Holy Spirit is telling you what you need to do. And more times than not, your flesh is saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. For me, it was being become spiritually healthy. And so the Spirit, he was talking about the things I had to do. I got to take my journaling a little bit more serious. I'm going to have to wake up earlier to do this. And here's something funny. I love this thing because God has a sense of humor. So, like, I don't like waking up early. And so when... I felt God was saying, you need to wake up early and start doing your devotion and spend a little bit more time with me. My flesh says, I don't want to do that. You know, God, I don't know if you knew this, but no, I work for you as a living, so uh, I need my sleep. Um, and God says, no, you don't. And I said, well, you know, I'll just, you know, let the Spirit wake me up. But evangel, we have a horrible thing like that. Like, Holy Spirit, wake me up when you want to. If it doesn't, Holy Spirit didn't want me to do it. Horrible way of thinking. So ever since then, I felt that my daughter has been waking up at five o'clock every single morning. <laughs> Kid you not. If that's not God giving me a wake-up call, I don't know what is. But it's because we need spiritual discipline in our life to run after God, to run after the things that he wants for us. The same goes with you. What is it that you want most? But then what spiritual discipline do you need? Because guess what? We're all disciplined in something, but is it the right thing? Is it the right thing? Over the last four weeks, to kind of just sum up today's message, over the last four weeks, we have talked about the small things and how they lead up to the big difference that we are seeking for. And it's easy to approach this series as a self-help series. It's super easy to do that. But let me tell you, it is not that. Because Christians, we don't rely on self-help. We rely on spiritual help. We rely on God's help. And it's a biblical principle, and this is why we talked about this for the last four weeks to start off the new year. It's a biblical principle that whoever is faithful with the small things, God will trust you with the bigger things. Say that one more time. It's a biblical principle that God, if he can trust you with the small things, if he can trust you waking up just a little bit early every single day and spending more time with him, if he can trust you with extending your prayer times to, to pray on behalf of him, if he can trust you with inviting your neighbors and continue reaching out to them, if he can trust you with all these things that are so small, he can trust you with the bigger things. But you have to be faithful with the small things first. You can't just jump to the big things because that's not how it works. In fact, a preacher told me this one time, he says, man, if God was going to give you the big blessings he has for you right now, you would squander them because you'd have no idea how to use them or how to steward it. It'd be like 
learning how to drive and getting a Lamborghini as your first car. Seriously. You would have no idea how to drive it or how to use it. You got to start with the small things. And while it seems like, God, are we wasting time? You're not because you're becoming trained. You're becoming disciplined. You're becoming spiritually disciplined. And the same goes with our run with Jesus Christ. If you're faithful with the small things, God will trust you with the big things. So that's the challenge. It's a little shorter sermon because we're wrapping things up today. But that's the challenge. What is it that you want most? And then what disciplines do you need to get there? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have this ability to run this race that you've set before us. And God is so easy, even including myself, because I, there's times where I wake up and I run this race and I kick off that starting block just as a simple jog or even as a walk. And I'm not running with the intentions of winning. I'm, I'm just running just to, just to maybe hopefully finish and cross the finish line. Lord, for those of us who are in this race and we're running like that, God, would you speak to us those things that you want us to hear? And Father, that we would take our relationship with you seriously, like Paul talked about, that, that even though we're, we're messed up and we do the things that we don't want to do and the things that you've called us to do, God, we, we end up not doing them. God, would you help us run this race to win it? God, in my relationship with you, I just, I just don't want to try. I don't, want it to, I don't want to slough it off. I want it to be the best relationship that it can be. God, I don't, I don't even want it to be a good relationship or a better relationship. I want it to be the best relationship that I can possibly have with you. Because the truth of the matter, God, is that you are so vast and massive. There are mysteries that we don't know about you that we cannot say or come to a place and think, God, I've had enough of you. There's always more of you. Maybe this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're sitting here and saying, you know what, I haven't even entered this race. But let me tell you, that's how it starts. I remember who I was before this race. I, I was a total wreck. I was a sophomore in high school. I thought I could do the things that I just wanted to do. But I find myself doing what Paul was talking about. It was like I was just running aimlessly through this life. I was like a boxer just trying to punch the air and just tiring myself out. I was never fulfilled. And if you feel like that is the area of life you're in right now, it may be because God's calling you to enter this race. And the first step is stepping into relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is you, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, saying, you know what? I want, to, I want to enter this race. I want to step in this relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm tired of running aimlessly. I'm tired of walking through this life without purpose. I want to run with purpose and run after Jesus this morning. If that is you, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray with you. Say, no, I want to enter this. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, awesome, awesome. 
It's simple as this. Like I said, it's not done in the big thing because right away we think we need to enter this race and say, you know, I, I want to look like so-and-so's spiritual life. Let me tell you, it, it takes the small steps. And the very first small step is simply saying this, Lord, I want to run this race with you. God, would you make me clean, make me new. Starting today, as I leave this place, I'm not running without purpose. I'm running towards the prize. And I'm not just going to jog. I'm not just going to walk. I'm not just going to shuffle my way there. But Lord, I'm going to sprint to you. God, I thank you for today's message. Lord, I thank you for what your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Lord, I thank you for the practicalness, but Lord, also the depthness of this race that we have with you. God, we know that we are in a world that has fallen, and because of that, the thoughts that we have are not always of you. The words that we speak are not always of you. The actions that we do are not always of you, and the habits that we create are not always of you. But Lord, would you help us be faithful with the small things? That it start with our thoughts, Lord, we make them captive. That we would filter our words, Lord. That we listen to your direction and not of this world's. Because, Lord, it's truly the small things that make the big difference with you. And everyone said, amen, amen.